There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Sneakers and Cleats, the podcast. Welcome back to the Sneakers and Cleats podcast. It is Monday, October 16th. We have a treat today. We have the, the Cowboys playing tonight. We actually have a lot of things going on tonight. <laughs> yeah, tons of stuff going on. <laughs> it's, this is episode 37. I'm Matt Roy. That's Don Harris. Don, you haven't been on for a little while. Yeah, I wasn't invited last week. I was a little upset about it, but, uh, you know. <laughs> You're always invited. It's an open invitation. Okay. <laughs> you know, you know, with, with baseball going on, Chuck. There was a lot going on. Chuck likes baseball on. a lot, so we just figured we would dive That's into cool. a lot of the baseball. That's you know? cool. I got a lot of work to do. But I like being on. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to talk about sports. You know, it kind of gets out of the, as, as journalists, we're so objective all the time. Like, we, we're, like, hammered into us, be objective all the time. Yeah. Don't show your fandom, all that stuff. I feel like now it's kind of changed a little bit to where you can try to kind of show your personality a little bit more, whether you're sports casting or anchoring or yeah. doing whatever. And this allows you to kind of do that a little bit more, too. I, well, I had a radio talk show for about five years, um, about 15 years ago, and it was really hard to cross over it. So, yeah. so my radio show was from four in the afternoon till seven at night, drive time. And I was on TV on the five and the six. So, yeah, I'll explain that later. Yeah, that is what? <laughs> Luis was here. We, um, we moved a bunch of TV equipment down to uh, WAR Radio Studios, set it up, um, and I would say. I had a monitor, and when I saw the weather come on the news at 5.15, 5.16, I would say, traffic and weather time, blah, 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 blah. We would go to commercial break on radio, and I would turn, stand up, face a camera that was permanently mounted, <laughs> call my IFB, and do my six o'clock sports, 5 and 6 o'clock sportscast. And as soon as the sportscast was over, I'd come back, boom. 5.30 to 6.15, whatever, do it again. So it was very uh, stressful. Difficult to flip that switch, though. But yeah, that's what I was going to say. Difficult to flip the switch between opinion and objectivity. Right, exactly. And when we're on TV, it's more objective. Even, though, sure. even though now it's kind of kind of. Uh, well, I have Don's over. extra point. That's my outlet for opinion. Right, exactly. But for the most part, when you're reporting, you know, the Aggies game or Aggie highlights, you don't. I've got opinions on Jim O'Fisher, but I would save that for Don's extra point. But you even get the, to the point where it's like Todd Archer will give you his analysis and what he thinks is wrong with the Cowboys and yeah. all that stuff to where it's that's still opinion, but it's not. It's like opinion ba backed by fact. Sure. You know, sure. So. Yeah. Anyway, this is episode not Stephen A. Smith. Nobody's out here. Just we're just not going for clicks. Scree screaming A. Smith. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, this is episode 37. So, Don, it's kind of a hard number, but 37. What, what, what the first about? one that popped into my mind was should have been Super Bowl MVP James Washington of the Dallas okay. Cowboys. Yeah, he was uh, two interceptions in that. I, I get why Emmett got it. The running game was dominant in that Super Bowl against the Buffalo Bills in Atlanta. Uh, but James Washington could have been Super Bowl MVP with two interceptions against the Bills. That's a good one. I had uh, 
couple of people from my youth yeah. on on the list. Sean Alexander was probably sure. was the best or second best running back of my youth. Sure, uh, him and LT were the two that dominated the league for a long, long time. So I still remember that Super Bowl against the Steelers. I believe in '06. Oh yep. six, I think, is yep. when the is when the Seahawks played the Steelers in. Was he a Penn State guy? I think so, yeah. um, but I remember that twenty. I think it was twenty nine touchdowns that season that he had. Yeah, it's a year he, he got MVP. Good. That was his best year. So he might have been Alabama. He might have been an Alabama guy. I can find that out in ten seconds. But I'm gonna go Sean Alexander, Alabama. Uh, and then the other name I had written down was Pedro Martinez. He was 37 with the Expos. He wasn't really with the Red Sox. But I oh. still think of Pedro Martinez as kind of a, like, he's just that dominant pitcher. Obviously, I'm a Red Sox fan, so I still think of Pedro all the time. Former so. San Antonio Mission. Exactly. And former Expo. So that's where he wore. Um, You're Googling Sean Alexander's killing me. Well, <laughs> you know, I got I to gotta fill the dead air uh, all the time. So I, I can fill it. Alabama. Alabama. Yep. Um, so we got a big show. Like we said, the Cowboys playing tonight at uh, they are in SoFi against the Chargers. Going to try and rebound from the brutal and horrendous loss from last week. The Kellen Moore Bowl. Oh, God. The Kellen Moore revenge game. Yeah. Uh, we got UTSA coming off a big win in the Dome against UAB. They won by 21. Kind of got back to uh, looking right. We got the ALCS kicked off last night. Continues in, oh, just about two hours now. And then uh, we're also going to get into a little bit of Wemby. Let's start with Wemby, though, because he uh, they are going to be out tonight, uh, not playing tonight against the uh, Houston Rockets here at the Frost Bank Center. But I want to talk about his debut on Friday uh, here at Frost Bank. He's like he's just a human highlight reel. Like we were trying to put highlights on Zach and I on Friday, and we were just like, "What's better, this dunk or this steal or this block or this him taking the ball up dribble between his legs and this step back?" Like, it's it's hard to even put highlights on about him because you just want to put a five minute montage of his best highlights. Well, well there's so many different variations of what he can do, and every it seemed like it kept getting better. Yeah, like a block shot was great. The alley oop that Trey Jones did not intend to be an alley oop. He caught 12 feet from the basket and just kind of glided in to throw it down. The dunk over uh, Thomas uh, Moore, was it? Mm -hmm. um, six and a half feet from the rim was his body, and he reached over a 6'10 guy, dunked it left-handed. Uh, he was outside the, the charge block circle. That was absolutely like, like Space Jam- Ridiculous reach, right. stretch guy. <laughs> in and um, did you side note? Did you see uh, the the guy's face yeah. after Wemby jammed on yeah. him? He was like, he had him boxed out six feet from the basket, yeah. and he dunked on him. So it was, um, but the crossover step back to, at the free throw line, you know, showed his guard skills, um, and and. It's just every every day it's something different that just wows you to say, never seen anything like it before. Iceman George Gervin was in studio last night on Sports Sunday, and he was raving about just the, the combination of length, height, and ball handling and, and shooting skills is, is we've never seen. Yeah, it's something that... Um 
the highlights that stood off the page for me or stood off the TV for me at least were him taking the ball down all the time. Like he's he's basically playing point forward right now. Yep. And then his ball handling ability to go between his legs, step back to the free throw line, yep. and still just air it out and drain a drain a nice little two point shot was pretty staggering. But then his explosiveness and his quickness on defense yep. to get back, even if a guard drives by him or whoever drives by him, he still has the length and the quickness to get back and even if someone's four feet away way get that block and then get out and transition right after that it's almost his strategy yeah his strategy is almost to let them go by because once they go by they think because anybody else in the world that they've ever beaten off the dribble can't get there and he gets there and blocks a shot and there's gonna be a lot of faces like the one we saw uh, of people like oh he did that after they do it to him for the first time and i think he'll have a really productive rookie year until people try to figure out how to body him a little more, be a little more physical. But the thing that, that stands out to me the most is Pop already designating him as a three, pretty much. Yeah, he's not going to play five at all. He does not. His rebound numbers aren't great because he's not he's in never, there. Yeah, he's never, he releases he's never out close on to the rim. Yeah, he releases out on, on, on runouts. Um, now, can can he guard the rim when you, when needed? Absolutely, but he's comfortable in a point three role facilitating. I think it's brilliant too because he can use his his speed to get to wherever he needs to get, and then his size to shoot over people, and his vision and his awareness of the game and passing. Um, that's so much better than just being stuck down there on the block, and he didn't. He was quite clear before the draft, no one's going to change me. Mm -hmm. This is who I am. There is a time and a place, though, where you need him to get lower and, and sure not fight for the boards. But if it's a close playoff game, I'm just throwing an example yeah. out there. If it's a close playoff game, you need your seven foot six guy down the down there to get the board. Three and a half. <laughs> Whatever. Seven plus guy to get to get uh, to get down there and get the board. Bigger. He does every day. We're just like he's seven eight, whatever. Um, but he he always is. You see that like in these preseason games, he's out on the three or he's out at the free throw line and he's kind of guarding a guard or a forward. Yeah, and then. As soon as the shot goes up, he's boxing that person out, but he's still 15 feet away from the rim. And as long as his arms are, he can't reach that far, you know? So I kind of do want to see him mix it up down low a little bit and show me those post moves, show me the face ups, get to the rim a little bit more so he can get those offensive rebounds and keep uh, getting extra possessions for him. Yeah, I'd like to see him rebound more. I was I was kind of wondering why he wasn't getting some to some of those balls, but he wasn't close enough to the rim. At the same time, his length is so incredible. I think the, the most impressive thing I've seen since Summer League the summer league play is still the most, but you're about to say the Oklahoma City player, aren't you? Where his right foot is on the three point line <laughs> and his left foot is on the free throw line. <laughs> you so, can't do that. Uh, <laughs> try try going to your to your fourteen by eighteen bedroom and put your right foot on one wall and your left foot on the other wall. That's basically what it is. Yeah, and John, Don's talking about the play where he uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, I believe, was driving uh, behind Wemby. Wemby's guarding the three-point line, and Wemby steps back basically to the free throw line, swipes at the ball, gets it away from him, runs the break, gets it ahead, and gets he the gets dunk. He gets the dunk, yeah. So, I mean, it, obviously The a great length play. of his stride was about nine feet. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, he, his, he has so many things that he can do that nobody else can do, and I think that's the part 
part that everyone is kind of amazed at is just like we've never seen anything like it. We like we've seen Kevin Durant, but Kevin Durant's not no. the Kevin Durant's not the defender that uh, Wemby is and can be. We've seen Giannis, but Giannis isn't doesn't have the length that Wemby has. He and he's not as good of a shooter. He's not as good of a free throw shooter. Well, Wemby day one is a better shooter than Giannis was oh, when absolutely. he came in the league. Yeah. yeah, but he's he's like a combo between between Kevin Durant and Giannis in my opinion. Yeah, he's something and like Ralph that. Sampson. Yeah, maybe. and if you take the uh, the the rim defending part of like Rudy Gobert, then you add that in too. Yeah. So I mean, he's just all of those things combined into one. But it's getting all those things to mesh with all the other guys is going to be the the yeah, trick, especially the, for the first half. Of the I season. think Pop's having a blast doing it. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. So knowing what we know now, who do you think is the starting five? Because as Pop said before the game on Friday that he knows who the starters are already. My guess is he would start Trey, Devin, Jeremy, Wemby, Zach. Zach Collins. I think it's Zach, Zach and Wemby for sure. I don't think he's going to start Jeremy. You think Jeremy or Keldon? One of the two are coming Keldon, off the bench. Keldon's going to start, I think. Okay, then Jeremy comes off the bench. I think it'll be. I, think it'll, I think it'll be Trey, Devin, Je, uh, Keldon. Wemby is Zach. Okay. And then I think Jeremy will come off the bench with Malachi, Julian Champagne, you know, all the all yeah. the all the backup guys. That that's just that makes the most sense to me, but I also don't know how much you need Trey Jones right now. Because Wemby, Wemby takes the ball up the court, Devin Vassell can take the ball up True. the court, Jeremy Shohan can take the ball up the court. Like everybody has that's what I was telling you in, in ICE yesterday. It's like the um, maneuverability of positionless, of basketball. positionless basketball. Their yeah. whole roster is true positionless basketball right yeah. now. And it's just who fits best where. You can put everybody in different spots. You can, Keldon can play three spots. Wemby can play all five. It's like you have so many different options as I a think coach. Wemby, Devin, Jeremy are their three best players. Yes. But Manu came off the bench, yep. and he was one of the one three of the, best players. One of their three best players is going to come off the bench, and it's, it's not going to be Wemby. So, it's not going to be Devin. Well, I think this is a prove-it year in general for Keldon. I yeah. think I think that if Keldon doesn't have a good year, he's probably gone next year, even though we all like him, love love Keldon. Um, they got him at a bargain, though. He's, they did. He, so, he, his contract is pretty nice. But you could get a... a DeJounte Murray kind of deal for Keldon probably because you're not going to be able to keep all these young guys. You have so many young guys on yeah. your roster right now. You're going to have to get rid of one or two. I don't know two. that it's this soon though. But you also have so many draft picks coming up. So whether you use those as trade True. chips or you pick or you take those players, there's only so much room on a roster. Yeah. So yeah. But what do you think of? Uh, we said that Wemby's going to be out tonight. A couple other guys going to be out tonight. It's only a se- it's only the second game uh, here that would be at the Frostbank Center. What do you do? You make anything of that, or is it nothing? This is this is such a pet peeve of mine. I don't know if it's your generation <laughs> or what is going on here. The preseason starters never play in the preseason. The preseason is to determine who's going to make the team. It's always scrub central. Never. I mean, one or two preseason games, half a game, half a preseason game. And I saw on Twitter a local guy who used to have a radio show doesn't anymore because his takes on the 
radio were horrible too. Said this is Pop's middle finger to the fans. And all this kind. Where? What rock have you been living under? Tim Manu Tony never played in preseason games. They don't matter. You're trying to see if Julian Champagne is going to get a little more minutes than Barlow, or whether or not this point guard is going to play more in Austin or be with the big boy team. And you get guys a little bit of a run. You get them a little bit of a sweat. Now, with this roster, I get it. You want to see more of them because everything's coming together and and you need some time to gel. And that's why I think Wimby's played as much as he has so far. But to make this about the fans, like, there are good, hard-earned money. Not Are you kidding me? If you're spending your good, hard-earned money on a preseason game, you're an idiot. Okay, Save it play, for the regular season. I agree, one, I agree with you mostly. But to play devil's advocate, some people can't afford to go to a regular season game with with how expensive these tickets have gotten. We were looking at the preseason, those the lower bowl seats okay. at AT and T is seven hundred and fifty dollars to get in on the in the preseason game. So those nosebleed sections up there are gonna end up costing thirty, forty, fifty bucks now that that the prices have gone up. So if you bought a preseason game ticket to go see Wemby. You're Just an for idiot. 20, 20, for he's not going to play in the preseason. He's the franchise player. You're getting two days, but you're getting two days off. He played 23 minutes. Or That's 20, not what it's about. Four minutes or whatever matter. on Friday. It's not about rest. It's not about rest. It's preseason. Preseason is where you play guys 10 through 15 on your roster. But don't you think this is a bad outcome or bad outlook of of things to come for this entire year? That you never know if he's going to play. Correct. I think he's going to play 65 games. I, I think that went away a long time ago. The the only beef I have with player uh, management and all of that is if you're an Eastern Conference team, you're Giannis Antetokounmpo, you're visiting San Antonio once a year, I think you should have to play in that game. The, the, you want to see the, the, the people in San Antonio pay good, hard-earned money to see Giannis Antetokounmpo once. Okay. Let me... So let me ask you this. Then. Other than that, no. So let me ask you this then. Wemby, in theory, then should have to play all fifteen games against Eastern Conference opponents in their buildings. Well, you see, that's national where, that's television where, that's where, games. That's where the argument falls flat. Is well, because no, is it, because if he's playing on the East Coast, that's the one time a year he's going to be in that stadium. That's the one time a year he's going to be in Miami or. or but they don't Milwaukee do it all at once. But yeah, on a back to back, maybe not. But. Um, for, for the most part, yes, especially on television. So you'd be more okay with Wemby sitting out the second game at Golden State yeah. than you would be with him sitting out the one game in Miami? Yes. I think he should play in Miami. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, because Miami fa- Heat fans only get one chance to see him. Yeah, I, th- I think that... I'm, I'm always going to be on air on the side of. But if, the preseason stuff's a totally different argument. Preseason, preseason and absolutely different. ridiculous. If this, was, if this was a regular season game and he had a full weekend off and was sitting out a home game on Monday, then I would have an issue with it. Maybe, yeah. I would. Have, that's, I, that. I would have a problem with that. But since it's the preseason, I really don't have that big of an issue. I am a little bit fearful that this is going to be kind of a sign of things to come and that he's going to sit out when he's healthy. Everybody's going to sit out, which is stupid though. Like that's the whole. My, like I hate player load management. In general, I, I understand it, and I understand the argument from the fan. And I used to be uh, an advocate for the fan in this regard. Um, but the science, it, would you? I used to say this about Tim. Would you rather see Tim play sixty-five games 
for 20 years were 82 games for 12. But the science doesn't show that anymore. They've come out with new research that actually shows if you play more, you're not going to have the soft tissue injuries. Well, there's been a lot of medical uh, research and there's been a lot of medical advances that have allowed these guys to have longer careers. RC and Popper, RC was the first on it. Um, Steph, LeBron, there's so many others. Um, I don't agree with the Kawhi Leonard stuff, you know, where you miss the whole season. And then try and play Um, in the postseason and miss that too. But gone are the days of guys playing 82. You look at Tim, what Tim Duncan did early in his career, what years one through 10. He played in 80, 81, 82. I think we're going to get there again. And And he was fine. But once you start breaking down as an older athlete, they figured. 65, and that's going to be the number because that's what they set it at for now um, and for TV. But this nonsense about, oh, Wimby's not playing tonight in a preseason game. No, nobody should play in a preseason game. No, no, I mean, now it's different with the Spurs because they're young and they don't know how to play together yet. So I think that we're lucky that we've seen him at Oklahoma City. And then we saw him against Houston. I think we'll see him Wednesday. I was going right? to say, you think we'll see him Wednesday? I think we'll see him Wednesday for a half. I think we'll see him Wednesday, but then on Friday and get ready for next Tuesday. Next, next Tuesday yeah, we'll see him for a half. Yeah. Yeah, I just... But the same is true for Devin. It's same true as for Jeremy. Same true for Keldon. But, it's, but when you look at... And this, before we move on to the Cowboys here, when you look at how young this team is, theoretically... All of them. He's should nineteen. Be, you should be able to play all. Yeah, you should be able to play games. all eighty-two games. That's Every why, single that's, person on the roster should. That's be. my argument. Okay. Yeah. This is not about load management tonight, at all. Tonight is it? No. No, at all. This is about. It's the preseason. In the preseason, you play the G League guys to see who can play. Yeah, CD Sissoko is going to get on the floor a lot tonight. Just sure. As he should. It's the preseason. I'm just saying when we get into the regular season and on a Monday when we're sitting here doing this podcast and Wemby didn't play the second night of a back-to-back and they're both at home or if he's had the weekend off and they're playing tonight and he's out, there's going to be a lot of talk about this is kind of BS. And I don't... As there should be. I don't think it's going to be the Tim Duncan situation. I think he's going to play more than you think. He's 19. I I hope so. And if he doesn't... We'll see. And but I really hope he stays. Everyone stays healthy. This is barring health. Like I just yeah. hope that he doesn't. It's. I hope he's not a healthy scratch. Is all I'm saying. I think they were tanking last year. I think Devin and Keldon and Malachi and all those DNPs and load management. That was on purpose to lose. I think they're going to play. I think guys are going to play more than you think. I think so, too. All right, let's get to the uh, Cowboys and the Chargers here. Monday Night Football in SoFi Stadium in beautiful Southern California. Cowboys are playing against their old offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, who kind of more or less got scapegoated last year for uh, the great offense that he had put together. And and now here we are with Mike McCarthy calling plays and Dak throwing picks and them not Not going so well and them not being as good as they were last year. So uh, how do you think tonight's going to go? And is that the most interesting storyline to you as we go into tonight? Well, there's a couple of things at play here. One, Cowboys usually bounce back pretty well after having an embarrassing defeat. I think they'll play well. Two, they're... 16, 20 guys on the injury report this week at different times. Oh, my God. So they're not healthy. Even if guys play, they're not healthy. 
And then there's the Kellen Moore angle, which, by the way, Stephen Jones pretty much confirmed on his radio show at different times over the offseason. They fired him, and it was McCarthy's idea. McCarthy went to Jerry and Stephen with the plan of him calling plays. So, you know, they always put lipstick on a pig and say, oh, we come to an agreement. Kellen has other opportunities. No, they fired him. So he's going to be ready to go with his guys. And and they're going to be ready to go to, for him. And they have a really good quarterback, I think better than Dak, and an offense that can put up numbers. But I do think the Cowboys will play well. I think the Cowboys are a better team. What's the line? It's a pick em. Yeah, this is because they're at home. It's, well, they're at home, but are they? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Like, you know it's going to be 75% Cowboys fans. Well, and so I think it'll right? be 60-40, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh I don't know. I, I I think that's exactly right. I don't know who to pick. I really don't either. I, I the over unders at fifty one and a half. I'm just gonna look it up real quick. The Chargers are actually one and a half point home underdogs right now. They've been two. They've been two and a half point home underdogs all week. Now it's at one and a half. I lean Chargers to be honest with you. I don't think that the Cowboys. Um, I don't think that their defense is going to be quite right without Leighton out there, without Trayvon out there. Deron Bland has been good, but I, he's going to be put on an island against Keenan Allen, and good luck with that. Yeah. Stephon Gilmore is going to be trying to defend Joshua Palmer or Quentin Johnson. I mean, they're getting a little lucky because Mike Williams is out, but you're going to tell me that Justin Herbert's not going to pick apart that defensive that defensive backfield? Well, here's the other thing, too, is anytime a team does what San Francisco did against Dallas, everybody looks at the film. And it's snow, and everybody's going to go with the same attack. Dan Quinn is good enough to know that, but the health is the biggest thing for me. I think the Cowboys bounce back and win if they're healthy, but they're not healthy. They're not. So I think that's what makes it a. a, a you can flip a coin for me. Yeah, I think that this game is going to come down to a final possession. I think it's going to be a seven-point game, but it's going to come down to can the defensive line get any pressure on Justin Herbert? And well, if if if, if the Chargers have the ball. Uh, then I think the Cowboys can win. If the Cowboys have the ball and have to score, then I think the Chargers win. Okay, but how about this? If <laughs> Is it going to come down to who messes up the coaching less, Mike McCarthy or Brandon Staley? <laughs> yeah, true. True. <laughs> like, who's going to go for a bad fourth down? Somebody's going to hire quarter? Mario Cristobal <laughs> quickly to... Uh, yeah, Brandon Staley's going to go for it on fourth and three, and he's up by three points with 40 seconds left. He's not going to get it, and then Mike McCarthy's going to call a Hail Mary, and Dak's going to throw a pick, and the Chargers are still going to end up winning somehow. <laughs> like that's that, perfect. That's going to be the ugliest ending ever. But it's it's two teams that need a win so bad, and the Kellen Moore of it all kind of just interests yeah. me so much because I feel like it's going to go one of two ways. Kellen Moore is going to come out and say, you know what? F you guys, I'm going to go put my, we're going to put our foots on your throat right now. And we're going to air it out. And that can go one of two ways. Yep. Either he's completing, Justin Herbert's completing all of his passes. He's making big throws. He's getting it to his receivers or the Cowboys plays right into the Cowboys defense's hands. You know, the biggest thing is San Francisco neutralizing Micah. And I, 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 it's going to be interesting to see how many teams try to do the same thing. And, and, and what Quinn does to counter that. Well, what's been staggering and seeing the, I'm just going to use this term, the, the Cowboys fall from grace in the last couple of weeks as they're one and two in their last three games has been that D-Law hasn't done squat. True. He, he has been a no-show in multiple games. Like, Micah can't do it all. True. Micah's getting double-teamed, triple-teamed. They're scheming for Micah, which means D-Law has to step up so they can take some pressure off of him. And D-Law hasn't done 
anything. Yeah, you're, that's very good at evaluation. And then you have the the middle of that defense is going to have their hands full all night with Austin Eckler because I played against the guy. But he is, is, a is he healthy wagon. either? He should be. He hasn't played since week one. They're just coming off of a bye. And he was about to play two weeks ago uh, as he was coming off the bye. He said he was about 98% towards playing. He's a beast. He's a beast. I'm just saying our Fort Lewis defense held him to 63 yards in college. I'm not just saying. Um, <laughs> Fort Lewis Pratt. Way to even go, though, Fort Lewis. Even though they really, really suck right now. They won a game in three years. But anyway, guys, that's besides the point. The uh, They pay for your college? They did pay for my college. There you go. That's all I needed. Uh, the Chargers, I think, I'm going to put it out there. I think the Chargers win and the under hits because I don't think that Dak and the offense are going to be able to get anything going. So, like 24 21. I'm thinking 24 21 is going to be the the final. Something like that. Like I said, it depends on who messes up the least. Uh, What do you think? uh, Because since since we haven't talked since last week about the Cowboys, really, what do you think of Dak right now in Mike McCarthy's offense? (sighs) Yeah, exactly. They've had, (laughs) you know, every game is so different. You have to evaluate them differently. If you're going to put them all together, I'd say it's been. Less than ideal. There's been times where they move the ball efficiently in between the 20s. They haven't done well in the red zone. He went interception less for a long time, more much more than last year. But they, they're they not explosive. In other words, I think they're being very cautious. Like, I think Dak's so tired of hearing about his interceptions that that he's been too cautious in, in the throws that he makes. And so they, they have a lot of three and outs. And you can see the frustration with CD. CD wants to take some chances. They haven't. They they got uh, number three, Brandon Cooks, so that they can have a vertical threat. They haven't thrown the ball deep. He has eight catches this year. They haven't thrown the ball deep at all. And and you can see CD's frustration. You know Cooks' frustration, although he's been injured. So they're playing. They're playing it very cautiously, close to the vest. Uh, It's. I mean, the grade right now is a C minus for the offense for the season. it might be generous. Yeah. I mean, their red zone offense is horrible. Their explosive plays are horrible. They can't they get don't anything have explosive going. Plays. They can't get the running game going. I think Tony Pollard's longest rush this year is 31 yards, and I think that was in week one or two when they were blowing out the Jets and the Giants. Like, if you look at how inept this offense is right now, you can't blame it all on Dak and most, if not all, of the blame has to fall on Mike McCarthy because the play calling and you one, the play calling has to be better. One in the red zone and two, uh, I mean, on all parts of the field. But you also have to unleash a little bit. Like you have to stop with this with this dink and dunk offense where yeah. you have weapons like Brandon Cooks who can take the top off the defense. This is the CD. NFL. Like you have to take chances. And yeah. if Dak throws a pick. Then okay, like you remember the Kurt Warner British yeah. show on turf. He was like, "All right, if I throw an interception, that's fine because we're going to score two touchdowns in the next two possessions." Yeah, like, do that at this point. Like, take the training wheels off. Daxon is eighth year and he's getting killed over on in in the media right now. He is going and he's going to continue to be killed until they start to actually unleash this offense. And I think. That's wearing on him so much. Oh, yeah. He has the weight of the world on his shoulders. Yeah. And he's mad about it. And he's, he's like, tired. Like, I'm tired of talking about the past. And um, I've always said, you can go back and look at stuff eight years ago. I've always said Dak is exactly what he was. He evaluated to be a fourth-round quarterback. 
I think Dak's a decent quarterback. I think he's you have 31 in the league, or what, 30 or 32? Thir- years old? No, quarterback. Teams. Uh, I always get confused. There's 32 teams in the league. All right, so he's 16. Yeah. He's, yeah. right, he's right. He's in the middle of the quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, he's from like 12 to 16. Somewhere okay, like somewhere around but, there. But he got money at the time that he got the money. He got top five money. He, well, what's good? Top three money. Yeah, and he's going to get it again this offseason. He off can't. That, they have to. They don't. They that would to. be insane. They and Jerry's. Have to. Yeah, okay. They have no other option. What's, your, what's the other option? I don't know. You might be right. They're gonna they're gonna have like a 26, 24th pick in the draft in the first round, maybe somewhere around there. So assuming they make the playoffs, unless they crater. Which Can I, you franchise him again? Uh, no, because he still has another year on his contract next year. But okay. His cap number sixty million dollars, which means you have to extend him to get that cap number down. That's why they're screwed. Unless you trade him, but who the hell wants Dak? <laughs> Actually, I can think of a couple teams that would take tag. <laughs> I don't know. Let's see how good that number three quarterback is on that team when you get him some. Can uh, I get Trey Lance in there? Some practice. I but don't know. When it comes to how bad Dak is and, and looking at the past, he, he doesn't want to continue to talk about the past. But if you don't want to talk about your past, then be good in the present. And he's not. He, I, I don't even get me started, man. He's eight years in and he has two playoff wins. Yeah. At end of end of argument. Yeah, his. I mean, the same people argued with me that Tony Romo was up there better because his numbers were better than Roger Staubach's or Troy Aikman's or whatever. No, the only thing that matters in history is moments. Drew Pearson is in the Hall of Fame. There's no way Drew Pearson statistically belongs in the Hall of Fame. But he had Minnesota. He had Thanksgiving Day. He had moments. He had Super Bowl championships. Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman, Super Bowl championships and moments. That's what makes greatness. Tony Romo can throw for all the yards he wants in the middle of October against the Arizona Cardinals, and it doesn't matter unless he wins playoff games. Same for Dak Prescott. Well, look at Kurt Warner's career. Kurt Warner had what? Four good seasons. Whatever. Maybe. I only remember him against the Titans. Exactly. Like that's that's the whole point. If you don't win big, if you don't win the big moment, that's then it. you're never going to be remembered except for as a statistical quarterback. Blake Bortles was the best garbage time statistical quarterback of all time, and no one knows who he is because he played on crap teams. Well, get this, your boys. John Elway, I've already, I've always argued for Elway as the greatest quarterback of all time. I love John. John Elway was greater by ten times before he ever won those two Super Bowls. But when he wins the two Super Bowls, the spinning Elway is the only thing people remember. The helicopter play, right? Ninety-seven. Dude, he, the the plays. Early in his career against the Browns and the Oilers, Drive. And he was so much a better quarterback then. His right arm was just a lightning bolt from God. And he never got credit until he won those two Super Bowls. Yep, until Terrell Davis played with a migraine and, that's what, and won that That's won what game. people remember. So, Dak, eight years in, two playoff wins, no. Yeah, no, if they if they don't make the AFC championship game or excuse NFC. Me, NFC championship game this year, McCarthy's gone. I think Dan Quinn's gone too. And I think Dak's Dak needs to be gone, but I don't have Jerry I don't know, loves him. I don't know how they get rid of him. Jerry really loves don't. him. All right, let's get on to uh use TSA against UAB. Um honestly, I thought it was like a not a get right game for him, but 
yeah, they got they did get right. <laughs> like well, I the defense was, was very impressive. I thought it was going to be a really tough game because UAB always plays them tough. I did too. Last two last two years, it's been the three point game or a six point game. In the I think last year was in double overtime. So I thought that this game was going to be really close. But uh, the fact that they came out and took care of their business, they got back to the running game, they got back back to playing good defense, and they got back to run and play action off of that running game. So it was actually a really impressive win in my book. I thought so too. Uh, they were nine-point favorites. Stanford Steve on ESPN picked UAB. UAB on national television to cover it. I think maybe even outright. He's in yeah, love he with Trent. The, he was the dog of the day. He was, you know, he loved Trent Dilfer. Everybody does. But I, I hate Trent Dilfer. Two things: uh, Frank Harris is healthier, not one hundred. Trey Moore was healthier. Brandon Matterson's back. They're getting some. They're getting some. Uh, uh, some more people back on both sides of the ball that are 90%. Um, I, I'm encouraged to hear that Jeff say that Makai Hart might be coming back soon. They're, they're big offensive linemen. Man, I hope he stays healthy. Yeah. And um, and they've got depth at running back. Henry is really good. Uh, Barnes, of course, is their starter. Um, Rocco Griffin can play. And I think the the surprise of the season is Devin McEwen, mm-hmm. the f- true freshman receiver out of Jacksonville, Texas. He's a speed burner, and you can see Frank really likes going to him, um, trusts him. Uh, they drive me crazy, <laughs> and I'll, I'll tell I'll tell Jeff this personally. The the at the end of the half, they had a chance to make it thirty one seventeen. It was twenty four seventeen. I think that I think that's right. Yeah, something like that. And they get a turnover, and then they're they're first and goal on the two. And they go pass, pass, halfback pass, interception in the end zone, last play of the half. Run the football, and they did. You see it down the stretch. Mm-hmm. The next time they got in that situation, they ran Kavorian three times in a row. He was stoned on the one yard line by that linebacker, and he pushed him over. Do you think that there's something uh, to now being six games into this offensive coordinator finally starting to gel a little bit, or yeah. is it more, or is it more so just getting people healthy again? Both, both the the, the offensive coordinator is getting in more more of a groove. By the way, the old offensive coordinator is Will Stein, who's at Oregon, mm. doing quite well. Yeah, he's uh, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good at his and, job. And um, even though he lost him last, la- I don't know if Jeff made the call. The OC made the call on the the Josh Cephas re- reverse, and then have Joshua throw it at the end of the first half when you could have just run the ball four times. I run the ball. I believe I'm a believer in our offensive line. If we're first and goal to two. I'm going to live and die with the run on four straight plays, even if you put 10 guys in the box. But you look at the offensive line, and they're on like their sixth combination this year. Like, they can't. I understand not wanting to run the ball all the time because your offensive line, you don't know if you can trust them yet. Yeah. And I, I don't know if we can Shark trust Shark didn't the, do it at OU. I, don't, I just don't know if you can trust the. <laughs> You know, like like a cat with a with a there's a little <laughs> with a laser right now. <laughs> I just don't know if you can trust the UTSA offensive line because they they have been a mash unit all year, and as soon as you get those guys kind of one unit, I trust Kavorian Barnes. Yeah, but it's not about Kavorian all the time. He can't run through seven guys. Well, he he won his one on one battle with the linebacker. They got one on one. He can win all day, but. Yeah. Three on one, four on one. When guys are getting through the line and dudes aren't hitting their double teams up to the backers, it's just hard. It's kind of hard to do. Well, I'm talking about just first and goal yeah. from the one. 
Um, I thought that the game. But you'll love this story. Yeah. I was the guy at the Super Bowl when Pete Carroll didn't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch and they threw the interception to the Patriots. Yeah, Malcolm Butler. I asked the first, I got the first three questions to Pete Carroll at that Super Bowl. I was standing closer than me to you right now. My microphone was where your microphone is. I was standing about right there. Well, why didn't you give the ball to Marshawn Lynch? Well, we thought that we had a blah, 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 blah. Okay. And so, why didn't you give the ball to Marshawn Lynch? <laughs> well, we had that play called with a second and two. Our offensive four, we had something there. We thought we could explain. Yeah. So, the third question is, why didn't you give the ball to Marshawn Lynch? You see his recent interview with uh, uh, Richard Sherman, and R- Richard Sherman was on his podcast. As he, they were talking about that moment, and Richard Sherman was like, "We were so freaking pissed at you, right?" And in that moment, he's like, "Yeah, I messed up." Man. <laughs> like, like I believe, at, and this is a little bit of an exaggeration, but if you had the center and the two guards, three guys, and no the quarterback, four. And Marshawn Lynch, five. And you played five on 11 in that situation. And you gave the ball to Marshawn Lynch. I believe he could have scored. I mean, if you gave it to him all three times. But that wasn't the, that was <laughs> you know, we don't have to rehash all the things. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just say run the dang ball. Yeah, run the dang ball. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I thought the defense was great. Uh, Trey Moore hit his absolute peak. Three and a half sacks for him. He's the AAC Defensive Player of the Week this week. As I predicted last night. For the second time time this year. NFL player. Their outlook now looking a lot better than two weeks ago as opposed to after the This week's going to be tough. How how different do you look at this team as opposed to right now as opposed to two weeks ago when they were coming off that loss to Tennessee? They've done a lot in the last two weeks to make me believe more yeah. that they can win this conference. Uh, Florida Atlantic, Tulane still are going to be beasts. Um, but there's not enough people in the league that scare me other than those two. Yeah. This, is a good, this is a good big game on the road this F- week. FAU, then you have East Carolina, then you have North Texas. At yeah. North Texas. And I don't think North Texas is a very good, excuse me, a very good team this year. That's going to be an over game for sure. But... What do you think? What do you think in this week? As as we're you know we're leading up to to the game on uh, I think Saturday. The, you know, the triangle travels, man. I think they can do it. Um, Florida Atlantic isn't that scary, but they're a good football team. They're, but UAB was too. So Temple was not. North Texas thumped Temple. So UTSA is three point favorites on the road at FAU. Yeah, that's. I think it's a winnable game. I wouldn't be surprised if they lost. Yeah. At all. But I think it's a winnable game. The way this team stays focused, the way that Trailer is able to get them to dial in week in and week out, they just can't do those things like have a chance to go up 31-17 by running the ball and then throwing an interception in the end zone. Agreed. Those things you can't happen. I agreed. I, I, I was. They, they, have a, they have the worst thing of not getting off the field on a stop. They only get third and eight. They're off the field, and then there's a flag. Yeah. For a defensive or hands to the face on the you know on the defensive line, just dumb penalties. I was so happy to see uh, Trent Dilfer lose because him going all ape. 
crap on his coaches the week before and like chewing him out on the sidelines and and just showing that he's just a douche to everybody on national TV made me just hate him and hope that he loses forever. He's very opinionated. He's just showing everybody up for no reason and going ballistic. Like he looks like a moron. He and did. So I was he, super, he did. He did in that instance. Yeah, for sure. he looked like an idiot in that instance, and it shows that you have no respect for your coaches, your players, anybody on that team. If you're going to go off like that on your coaches and on your players for no reason, it's like. I was just so happy to see him lose after after that. Like he deserved to lose after that. He's been very opinionated. He he, has, he very he spoke out on NIL, and then the meltdown on the sidelines was embarrassing. It was embarrassing, and he looked like a he looked like a high school coach, and that's not how you uh, operate a Division One program. So I was happy to see him lose in that instance, just because he looked like such a douche. Update on the show. Um, I was texting my wife real quick, uh-huh. and uh, I didn't turn the microphone off, and so about 15 minutes of our podcast is in my voice to text <laughs> to my wife. So I'm going to have to spend about 20 minutes deleting this. <laughs> I think if you just turn your phone off and then turn it back on, it'll be gone. Okay. This is a, that, would, that would be a long hold of the backspace button. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> just send it to her. See what she says. See if she likes it. <laughs> What? <laughs> Why'd you make me read this? Uh, all right, let's get to the Rangers and Astros real quick. Uh, the ALCS obviously continuing in just about an hour and a half. Uvalde, or Uvalde, Uv- I do that every time now that we've covered Nathan Uvalde. Um, nasty Nate on the mound against Framber Valdez. Uh, Astros lost last night, getting shut out at home in game one. How do you think game two plays out? If you were to ask me straight up, I think Evaldi's better than Fram. I have more belief in Evaldi for the Ranger fans than I would for for Framber. Framber's capable of going out there and throwing a no hitter. Yep. But Evaldi right now seems to me to be the more consistent guy. Um, I don't see the Astros losing two at home. Uh, if the Rangers take two, this gets real interesting. E- even if they take two, the Astros have been very good on the road, much better on the road than they have at home. So I think it's going to be a heck of a matchup, just like last night was. Uh, Verlander pitched well last night. Yeah, um, he just got outpitched. Well, right. he didn't have any run support. Yeah, yeah, he got outpitched by Jordan Montgomery, and that's yeah. and that's going to happen in the playoffs, especially. But uh, I'm a little nervous. If I was a Rangers fan, I would be a little nervous for this game. Nathan Uvalde in the uh, postseason is a different animal. Yeah, he is a, just a different beast. You just need him in the postseason. However, he has pitched like crap against the Astros. Hmm. He, the Astros have lit him up every single time, almost every single time that they have played against him. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if this is playoff Nate or if this is Astro Nate that we get. Because if it's playoff Nate, then the the Rangers are live dogs in this game to get this done. And Framber also has not had a good year. But him in the playoffs is also a different animal. So it, it's a it has potential for a blow up game, but it also has potential to be a two to one matchup. So it's, yeah. I think it, I think it's kind of an interesting balance. I think the Rangers win, to be honest with you, because I have more belief. I'm a former Red Sox fan. I've seen Nate do this yeah. in multiple instances where he just comes in the playoffs and pitches as good as he has ever pitched. So I have more belief in Nate. Um I think that the Rangers will probably get out to a little bit of an early lead, maybe like they did last night, go up 2-1, 2-0, and then it's going to be on the Rangers' bullpen in the back half. What's wrong with uh, Alvarez? Jordan? Yeah. They said that he wasn't at the ballpark early yesterday. He wasn't in the clubhouse. I don't know. Let's call Chuck. 
<laughs> no, I, I'm wondering if they even thought that he might be a scratch. I don't know. Uh, he had a he had a great ALDS, so I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if there's any. But I'm wondering if he's hurt. I don't know. We'll look into that. If he's hurt, then this thing takes on a whole new, yeah, whole new, uh, uh op- has all new optics to it. If if he's hurt, but I think uh, the Rangers win tonight. I think that the Astros end up winning the series. Wow, down 0-2, think losing the, the first two at home. I, I just because I picked I picked the Astros first, so I'm I'm going to stick with it, even though the Rangers are playing really really well. And well, the Astros are that Houston. Rudy T. Yeah. Never underestimate the heart of a champion. You don't. And they, they keep they, proving you people wrong. But I think if the Rangers do win, the difference maker is Bruce Bochy. Bruce, Absolutely. Bruce Bochy has done wonders with and that the team. And the bottom of the lineup, Tavares, Josh Young. Even Carter. Th- those guys, the guys that batting seven, eight, nine are producing like like no lineup I've ever seen. Yeah, no, the lineup is so deep. It's so talented. Yeah. Like I would I wouldn't be shocked if the Rangers win. The only reason I'm sticking with the Astros is because I picked them in at the beginning of this to win the World Series. So I'm gonna stick with it until they're not in it anymore. Yeah. But I I think the Astros, I think the Rangers it's good win for tonight. Texas. Fun for everybody. Yeah, I love having it on. People so. are watching. All right, guys. Well that's all we got for you today on Sneakers and Cleats. It's a wild day here actually in in uh Texas for sports with Wemby and with uh, the Cowboys and with the Rangers and Astros playing. So we will be back on Wednesday with the High School Hype Squad. Remember, you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Please download, rate, review, subscribe, give us some feedback. I think uh, Don's wife is going to be reading the podcast. I turned off my phone. Oh, there you go. (laughs) We'll see you on Wednesday for the Sneakers Cleats podcast. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.